0: Hi, this is Cara Vargas of the WISL. You are listening to Jonathan Ragus and Jim Williams on 24-7 Sports Hub Radio.
1: gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Radio. Right here on Book Radio, I am your host, Jonathan Raggis. Joining me is The Voice, Jim
0: Williams. Jim, what's going on, man? Thank you very much. I, I appreciate that kind-hearted uh, mention. Thank you very much. Uh, doing well, my friend. How are you? Doing pretty good. We have a lot on the plate over the course of the next 59 minutes and change uh, to get to. I mean, we're talking everything from Major League Baseball to Johnny Football to maybe even a little U.S. Open before the end of the broadcast. And uh, let's just get right into it.
1: It's going to be a fun one. Like you said, getting into it now. Let's talk about baseball. More so the New York Mets and a trade that they did yesterday with the Pittsburgh Pirates sending outfielder Mullenbird, catcher John Book, and cash over to the Pittsburgh Pirates. A lot of Mets fans... A little peeved, though, Jim.
0: Well, the timing of it is uh, unique, to say the least, on a couple of fronts. Number one, of course, look at what point of the season we're talking about here. Uh, And obviously, you know, the Pirates are trying to contend uh, for the division championship in the National League Central. They're sure in a playoff spot unless they fall off the face of the earth, which I don't think is going to happen for once for that team. Mm -hmm. But if you're the Mets, excuse me, it's interesting. Because this happened on the same day this trade, because <laughs> you cannot make this up. The Will Ponds are so good at this.
1: Oh yeah.
0: At City Field, I wanted to say Shea Stadium because I'm so old school. Trust
1: me, I'm still saying Shea, man.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I say a different thing for City. It rhymes with uh, pity and begins with an S H, but we won't go there. <laughs> it was going to be uh, the trade happened on the same day that Marlin Bird Shirt Night was. Yeah. So all fans attending City Field. Thank you for coming to Citi Field. Here's a t-shirt of a player who doesn't play with us anymore. I hope you enjoy what's left of the game and the team. Repeat about 20,000, 30,000 30, times for the fans there.
1: I see no problem with it. Like I told you before in pre-show, it's not like it was David Wright. It's not like it was a you know the face of the franchise or a player that was going to be around or has been around a long time. This was a player that was not going to be a New York Met next season, Leaving. So yeah, I do blame the Mets for having a T-shirt night for a guy that wasn't going to be a Met next season. To me, that's stupid. It's a waste. But if you're a Mets fan and you're going to City Field just to get a Marlon Bird T-shirt, and you're the one complaining about this, I put you in the same group with the Wolfhuns.
0: I don't know if I'd go that far. I mean, I do. I'm a well, Mets fan. I go that far. Well, I know you. Well, you you have a vested interest in this. I mean, I know you wanted your uh, Keith Hernandez shirt back in the day. I'm sure. Oh hell yeah. But uh, Or your Ron Darling, is the case may hey, be.
1: Hey, hey, don't mess with Ron.
0: They won't give a Gary Cohn shirt, sadly. I like Gary Cohn. Uh,
1: you know, Gary Cohn shirt would be really cool.
0: Yes, it would. It yeah, especially showing off his like one strand of hair in the front. But that's a okay. over. This is my come-over. Yes, yes, comb under. And, no, but getting back to the issue at hand, you know, people have made the parallel in the media of this and what happened in Philadelphia with Charlie Manuel getting... Axe the day that he was going to be recognized by the team for his one thousandth win.
1: Uh that's I can't compare the two in my mind.
0: I see the parallel. I understand it, but yes, I agree. That's that's a little much. Yeah, but but saying that the fans who are listen, certain uh, certain population, a certain uh, you know uh, percentage of fans go to a game not to see the game but for the giveaways. That's a fact.
1: That's not a though.
0: Well. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, but you know there's a certain percentage of people who will do that. In fact, I'm sure, you know what, I, I'm going to check this right now. This is, this is horrible radio, but I'm going to do this right now. <laughs> Let's, see. Let's see if any of these shirts have wound up on eBay. Let's take a look. The Marlin Bird. Why do
1: you do that, though?
0: T-shirt. Yeah, please, we, please. Have, we have more gripes
1: from Mets fans who were actually upset that the team traded Marlin Bird and John Buck because it's going to make their team worse for this season. Which, another thing that baffles me, because, put it this way, coming back to the Mets is a guy who can play everyday shortstop for this team in the future in Dilson Herrera, plus a player to be named. Who knows who that could be? Could be, a, you know, could be a guy that could come in and help out this team eventually. Could be nothing. But they still pick up a guy who can be an everyday shortstop in the future for this club. A position they desperately need somebody for since losing out on Jose Reyes. And they get him for two guys that are aging, won't be in the league many more years and will not be a New York Mets next season.
0: By the way, no no hits on uh, eBay. So obviously my cynical side did not want oh, to click in on the Burchard
1: to be in bronze man and hanging up on Mets fans walls right oh, now. Oh
0: yeah, they're going to hang they're going to retire his number. Well, oh
1: my fan, most fans complained about when the Mets signed him because of his connection to steroids.
0: True. And this is a guy who's been a journeyman. Played with the Phillies. Played with the Cubs over the years. Yes. And he's, you know, he's a role player. Granted, I'll give you this. He, outside of David Wright, he was probably the best position player on the team outside of Wright.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh, but, he's been having a ph- phenomenal season for the Mets. There's no doubt about it. Nobody expected Marlon Byrd to uh, put up the numbers that he's been putting up. Um, you know, that's that's a fact. But at the same time. You know, here's a guy. He's only batting 232, So
0: he's not sending the world on five oh,
1: leaders. No, excuse me. He's batting 285. So, on oh, no. the bats, he was uh tied for third. Oh, uh, excuse me. No, he wasn't third in batting average. Um uh, in RBIs, he was number 1 with 71. Who was number 2? John Buck with 60.
0: So, I mean, they 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 pretty much traded away a third of their offense in terms of uh run scoring.
1: But that, I mean, for a season that's gone already. It's, yeah, and
0: I understand yeah, that. So they, I understand that.
1: You could have kept them, gotten nothing for them, and just gave the fans what they wanted for the next couple of weeks, which was a couple of hurrahs. John Buck has not been good as of late. Marlon Burks bat has been doing okay, but not as good as it has been, uh, you know, you know, since the All-Star break.
0: Mm-hmm. But,
1: you know, they needed – they got younger. This is a team that's rebuilding. They want to contend. They've – this brought in a guy who just played in the Futures game. He's the 10th rated prospect in the Pittsburgh Pirates organization. Me, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. Andy Olderson did a great job here.
0: Yeah, I mean, they have to look for the future. And I think long, long-term long fans will be like, Marlon who? Yeah. They'll, they'll get over this. Exactly. Um, so, But you know
1: real for Pittsburgh, though, too, because they, they get a backup catcher.
0: And they get a bat that they need. they get a the- bat
1: right off the bench that they need that, they need that can start games. So.
0: Exactly, and that could be the difference between them winning the division and them fighting for uh, a spot in uh, the first round of the playoffs.
1: Absolutely, and I, uh, I, we said on a Monday, man, I'm going for Pittsburgh. You know, I was oh, like,
0: absolutely, absolutely,
1: would be great. Uh, the Mets, though, future you were just talking about it, Matt Harvey.
0: Oh man, you talk about kid, You talk about a guy who, you know, a franchise really they can't get a break right now. Uh, not long after we went off the air, Matt Harvey uh, had a big press conference at. City field Again, I almost wanted to call it Shay. And uh, pretty much uh, it was told that he had a, uh, a UCL tear. don't know how severe it is. Uh, the thing is, they're going to wait two to three months before they decide on the course of action. Don't agree with that. Neither do I. Because the course of action, for those who don't know, is Tommy John surgery. And that's a process that, depending on all powers above, really, and how you rehab... Is a minimum twelve months before you come back, and yeah, could be as, long 20,
1: as You know, we're talking twenty fifteen season easily right now.
0: Exactly, and, and it could go into the twenty fifteen season if you wait three months because it, it could be an eighteen month rehab process. Oh
1: yeah.
0: At this point in time, we've seen Steven Strasburg come back from it. We've seen a, a number of pitchers who have come back from from Tommy John surgery, and have excelled and have gotten back to where they once were. Yeah, it's a no brainer at this point. Get the it's not t- the seventies
1: it's you know th- you know this isn't when Tommy John went for his own surgery. you know what I mean exactly it's totally different i I mean it, you know recovery time you know even though it's you know thirteen to fifteen months, it's still a lot quicker than it used to be, and cool. medicine today is just beyond crazy with uh, you know the things that they can do to me you know from what I'm reading from what I'm hearing from people within you know or you know that cover the organization, they're saying it's inevitable anyway.
0: So, exactly. So why I mean, obviously they're like, well, maybe maybe uh, two to three months of swelling will go down and he won't need it. I mean, yeah, I understand if you, you want to avoid surgery at all costs, but if it's inevitable yeah. just get the just do the deed. Just do the deed.
1: Yeah, I mean listen, it, it, Matt Harvey is somebody that Mets desperately need for the future. There is no doubt about it. He is a phenomenal pitcher. Uh nine and five, two point two seven ERA, hundred and ninety one strikeouts, thirty one base on balls. You know his record was a little bit better, like you said, Jim, uh, in pre-show, uh, pre All-Star break. But here's the Mets; they got the same, you know, problem as the Philadelphia Phillies—no offensive run support for their pitchers. So, mm-hmm. if you take Matt Harvey and you put him on St. Louis Cardinals,
0: Detroit, especially
1: Pirates, you put him on the Los Angeles Dodgers right now. What would his record mimic?
0: Well, it's funny you mentioned the Dodgers. His his record would probably be the same because the same situation happened with Clayton Kershaw where he got no run support in the first half of the season. Then Puig comes up and, oh, now he's looking like the Cy Young candidate we think he is. But Matt Harvey
1: has been, I mean, lights out, you know.
0: Oh, absolutely. uh, I mean, the strikeout-to-walk ratio.
1: So if you can score at least one to two runs – Matt Harvey's most likely going to get you a win. Unfortunately, the Mets can't do that.
0: Well, exactly. I mean, the strikeout to walk ratio alone is is staggering, and that's a beautiful thing. Uh, I, part of it, now that I think about it, why the, they the Mets are not saying that he's going to have the surgery, it's it's business because mm-hmm. let's let's face it, Matt Harvey right now. I'll bring a Philadelphia reference in uh, for all the kids who are listening in the Philly area. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> back in 1972 when Steve Carlton uh, first came to the Phillies he won almost half the team's games yeah and every time you knew Carlton was on the mound you knew you were going to get a great pitching performance he was the big selling point right now similar situation with Matt Harvey and the Mets every time Matt Harvey starts every fifth day you know you have a good chance to win absolutely and and that's what it comes down to butts in the seats yeah. Harvey will sell out games more than insert pitcher name here so I think there's a little business template involved with that. But still, I mean, in the end, he should have the surgery, start the rehab, and just hope and pray everything goes according to plan. And he's young. He's, what, 22, something like that? Yeah. Uh, so Gotta have uh, it. his body will take to this easily. It, but there's
1: it's... no question about it, Jim. I mean, you, you look at the pitchers that the Mets have now. Jonathan Neese, very good young pitcher. Zach Wheeler in 13 games, 6-3. and three. Uh, You know, 3.42 ERA, and this is just the beginning of what we're going to see from Zach Wheeler. I mean, he's getting better and better as he continues to pitch. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you put Matt Harvey with Jonathan Neese, uh, you know, Zach Wheeler, Bill and G, and a possible Noah Syndergaard when he's ready to come up. This could be one of the better pitching rotations in the league.
0: This Mets team is like a three- or four-year plan.
1: Easily. Easily. yeah
0: easily and yeah. you know they've just got to stay the course as the famous saying goes yeah. but but if there are any Mets fans out there who dissent with our opinion on this yep. you're welcome to call in 347-237-5373 that's 347-237-5373 see i've learned in my many years of radio you got to give the got to give the phone numbers out occasionally that no about it. and uh if you have Skype just click the Skype button and boom you're locked into us and uh We'll chat about whatever uh, sports subject you have on your mind. It can be about what we're talking about at the moment or something else we'll be talking about. So uh, lend us your ear and your voice, as it were.
1: Absolutely. You want to talk a little Houston Astros now? What do you think?
0: Let's see. No. Uh, no, no we, we have to because Forbes came out with uh, an interesting bit of uh, statistical data saying that the Astros were the most profitable team in baseball, which on the surface sounds... What? But it it does make sense, considering they only have one guy, Eric Bedard, who's making more than a million dollars on the roster. Since then, uh, the Astros have said Forbes is out of their gourd. We're not making money. Money? What are we making? Here's the uh, official statement from a press release uh, issued by the Astros yesterday. Quote, we are very disappointed that earlier today Forbes released an article that includes significant inaccuracies relating to the Astros' finances. The Astros do not disclose financial information. However, as MLB will confirm, the information reported in the Forbes article relating to the Astros' revenues, the Astros' media rights from CSN Houston and CSN Houston's per, subs- per subscriber rate, are all significantly inaccurate.
1: Yeah.
0: Pretty much the basis of the article wasn't so much even the roster moves. I mean, they have the lowest payroll in baseball, $26 million. Amazing. which Amazing. Which, yeah. Which is half of the much maligned uh, Miami Marlins, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but it was mainly to look at regional sports networks. I mean, you, you're in New York. Yes, Network is a cash cow for the New York Yankees. SNY, similar for the New York Mets. Yep. Uh, and they've had the Comcast Sportsnet Houston this year, which has pretty much stumbled out of the gate because they couldn't get proper carriage in the entire Houston metro area. Mm-hmm. Yet they're still making hand-over-fist money over when they were on Fox sports Net. Uh, in Houston, Mm -hmm. uh, regional sports networks. I mean, it's hit or miss. Uh, I know I'm talking a little media speak here with this, but I don't know if you remember back about six, seven years ago, the Royals actually had their own network, uh, RSTN Royal Sports Television Network. You probably don't remember it because it faded away after like half a season or, or a season or two because they couldn't make money on it. Yeah. Um, you know, and Sports Time Ohio is doing the same thing uh, for the uh, the uh, Cleveland Indians. It's a hit-or-miss thing. I mean, money is where you make your – or, t- English, Jim, TV <laughs> is where you make your money. No doubt about uh, television it. Television deals in this day and age. Uh, also of note, uh, according to uh, Team Marketing Report's Fan Cost Index, uh, the Astros ticket prices. You want to go see an Astros game at uh, the field formerly known as Enron. You're going to be paying, on average, over thirty dollars a seat. That is more expensive than the league average. They have to compensate somehow. I mean, what what do you make of this, John?
1: It, you know what? It's first off, Dan Alexander from Forbes who wrote this. If all these inaccuracies are true, uh, you know he's going to have to explain where he got these numbers from because he said that the Astros were on pace to rake in an estimated ninety-nine million dollars in operating income, which you know, right now, after releasing some, you know, four of their players, they're under the $13 million. Yeah. For their roster, which is unheard of over the last 30 years in sports.
0: Yeah, I mean, for goodness sake. I mean, six, it's unheard yeah. of.
1: Unheard of. $13 million for an MLB roster is insane. Um, why their ticket prices are still that high? Baffling. But if they're making. A profit, that means people are still going to Houston Astros games, even though they're the worst team in Major League Baseball.
0: And yeah, we knew no, they
1: were going to be the worst team in Major League Baseball this season, which was, it's not a shock.
0: Yeah, and going to the American League West definitely did not help their cause. I mean, Oh,
1: no, that was the worst thing that could have possibly ever happened to the Houston Astros.
0: Oh, God, I mean, with Texas and Oakland and my beloved Angels, hi, Mike Trout, how you doing? Uh Just... You know, even though the the other teams ahead of them aren't exactly world beaters either, the uh, two teams ahead of them, the Angels and the Mariners, but they're still uh, better than the Astros are. It's interesting. You mentioned fans are still going to the ballpark. It's not so much to watch the Astros, though, I think.
1: Watch opposing teams?
0: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's... They're it's, still going, though. They're still going. Well, they're not like, doing it in Miami. There's also the novelty of, oh, it's a relatively new ballpark, it's an atmosphere, because remember, in this day and age, when you go to a baseball game... More often than not, and, and you and I are probably in line on this, we go to see the game. We don't need the extra amenities. They're nice, but we can do without them. Listen, I
1: love Shea Stadium. I was devastated when they mm-hmm. ripped it down. I'm sorry. I, th- I, I thought it was a good stadium. So
0: Yeah, well, I mean, in this day and age, you have, like, for example, at uh, uh, the field in San Francisco, you've got a big Coca-Cola slide for the kids. You've got the, uh, the sand pit at Petco Park. You've got all these games and what have you. It's not just going to a baseball game. It's almost like you're going to an amusement park in some respects anymore. So it's not just the game that's the thing. That That's kind of the misnomer about people and fans still going to the stadium. It's, it's a complete entertainment experience nowadays, for better or for worse.
1: No, yeah, understandable. I mean, you look at Dallas Cowboys Stadium. You look at what they're doing <laughs> to Madison Square Garden now. I mean, you know. People want to go to – I mean, if honestly, if you go to games now, you see people standing around, not even watching a game, drinking, hanging out, back to the field.
0: Well, you yeah, know? I mean, like you mentioned Dallas like Cowboys Stadium. You're, you mentioned Dallas Cowboys Stadium, your, your, your AT&T Stadium there in, uh, in Texas. It's like, oh, let's just look at the big TV for about five hours. That's all it is. That's,
1: that's all, all you the- can see.
0: Well, yeah, and, and the sad thing is that's not even the biggest TV in the NFL now. Hello, Houston. Uh, but then again,
1: do most Cowboys fans even want to watch the Cowboys? Is it better that they have that big screen?
0: Well, considering the way this team is going to look this year, uh, I've put you this way, and we'll get to this, I'm sure, in next week. Oh, sure. I've got the Cowboys firmly slotted in the basement of the NFC East. Uh-huh. Firmly slotted. Yeah. And it, and it doesn't even have anything to do with Tony Romo. It does not. Uh-huh. Uh, it has to do with... Uh, Signing a deal with the devil, if you will, when it comes to the way. I'll put it this way: Will the real head coach please stand up? That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So
1: interesting, but, though, uh, from Dan Alexander over at Forbes. Uh, you know, as I mentioned before, he was talking about how they're going to bring in 99 million dollars uh, profit in operating income. Uh, interesting here. I, I I just read this. I really liked that. He says if the Ashes were to use their current gains to pay for future players, which would be $99 million, could make a huge difference. The Astros could have taken on the contracts of the entire starting lineup for the National League All-Star team because it was just under $84 million. Yeah,
0: but but fat chance of that ever happening. Oh, yeah, of course. But Anything like that. I, this is a team, and, you know, Ed Wade was there for a number of years as well, and Ed Wade, God love him, when he was with the Phillies, he was the king of let's do what we can for the least amount. Um it's it's kind of a reverse money ball, the Astros, because they keep stockpiling minor leaguers who really aren't that great, and they go as cheaply as they possibly can. I I often wonder in, in situations like this. You see the team on the field. Do they embody the entire organization? Like how many of the people behind the scenes are minimum wage people? I hate to I hate to even query that. Yeah. So. You know, it's it's interesting. I mean, the Astros are, uh, they were they haven't been relevant in 10 years since they uh, faced the Cardinals in the uh, league championship series. Since Beltran was,
1: left. It's, it's the current yeah. Carlos Beltran.
0: Yeah, exactly. And the the next time they're going to make any significant positive news will probably be when uh, uh, Biggio gets to the Hall of Fame next year. That's a sad reality. Yeah. Because they're not doing anything with the product on the field right now. Like we mentioned, Eric Bedard's their only player making more than a million dollars. They are in she perpetual <laughs> well, exactly, and they're in perpetual rebuilding mode. Reach, I don't even. I you can't even call it rebuilding. No, you can't. You can't even call it rebuilding. They're just throwing spitballs at the wall.
1: The owner of the Astros said, once they fill up their entire minor league, uh, that they'll beat a top five or ten in salary. So I don't see how that's possible, but. Sure. I guess we'll see what the Houston Astros do from now into the future.
0: But well, as long as as long as my Phillies and your Mets take three or four game series from them, that's fine.
1: I'm happy with that. Yes. All right, let's go into a little bit of college football, Jim, and it's Johnny Manziel time. Texas A&M quarterback.
0: Uh, here we go. A lot go. of things
1: going on with with uh, you know Johnny Boy over there. Uh, autograph. He's making money off of selling autographs, having meetings with NCAA and Texas A&M to tell him, nope, I never charged money. And now there's just a lot going on about will he play? You read all of this. What do you think?
0: This is <clears throat> this is the epitome of the NCAA having their hand in the cookie jar because they are making cajillions of dollars. I know that's not a word, but guess what? I just created it off the very players that are, you know, making make, making their applying their craft, if you will.
1: Billions of
0: dollars. Kajillions of dollars. Why have kajillions when you can have millions? <laughs> but, and of course, the, those will argue, well, uh, these guys are getting free rides. How many of these people do you really think go to class? You know, how, you, they're getting a full scholarship. whoop de tinkle That's that's great. And all the while, you and I, if we go to a college, are paying much more for it. Oh, yeah. That, and that that That's an aspect of it, so, you know. He should play. He will play. And ultimately, this could be the... I i, I don't want to say Kurt Flood moment, but I, I'll say it in terms yeah. of the whole decision and how this process is going to work out. It could change the way college athletes market themselves. Because it's the NCAA that makes all the money off of them. Billions and trillions of dollars in television rights and Merchandising and what have you, and these guys, well, they get to go to college for a free ride. That doesn't, that, that isn't fair to me. That doesn't jive with me. Keith Olderman, who uh, just started a show on ESPN2, uh, that bastion of truthiness, Keith Olderman, uh, said it perhaps best. This isn't college football, it's college pro football because of how big a business this is. Of course. I mean, you you want to get to true college football, you got to go to the Division three schools, you got to go to the county college level, uh, because, I mean, the colleges are an afterthought. It, it's in essence like they're sponsoring the teams. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree with that uh, thesis. Uh, you know, what? what's the big whoop? Okay, what's the big... Is Pandora's box really going to be open so wide if Johnny Manziel makes a few bucks off his name? I,
1: I, I see no problem with it.
0: Now, I mean... And think about this. He's also thinking for his future, because how often do we see Heisman Trophy winning players or just great college football players in general fail miserably in the NFL?
1: Well, I mean, you know, look at it, too. How many quarterbacks are really coming out and making a big name for themselves? I mean, honestly, it's only two or three here and there. It's so sporadic now.
0: Last I, year, last year, notwithstanding with the success of various quarterbacks in well, the rookie seasons, but yes.
1: Griffin, Luck, and who else was that? Russell Wilson, right?
0: Russell Wilson, but they're, they're the exception rather than the norm. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean.
1: Of course. I mean, yeah. I, honestly, on a given year, you have maybe one quarterback that comes out that sticks around as a backup.
0: And then you have a bunch of Ryan Leafs. The sad reality.
1: You mean uh, a bunch of Jets quarterbacks,
0: Me. mean? Oh, well, you know. But
1: listen, I I honestly, I can't remember who I spoke about this with. Uh, I know Chucky Brown, former NBA player, former NBA champion, who uh, blogs for us over at NYSports247.com. He even spoke about it. He sees no problem with a college player making a few bucks off of signing autographs. I mean, he's doing it in a legal, clean way. Nobody's getting hurt. And what's the big deal if Johnny Manziel makes a few hundred dollars off of signing autographs? He's going to do it next year anyway.
0: Right, what's I mean, the, he's what he's not staying, yeah,
1: what's the sense of doing that? I mean, listen, he's a college student if he's gonna he can go out and work tomorrow at McDonald's if he wanted to, but that's not going to corrupt NCAA violations, but he can't sign his name on a piece of paper and have somebody hand him over ten bucks.
0: Well, I mean, I, it comes down to, okay, yeah, you can do that. You could autograph, but we get a cut. And NCAA is not getting a cut, they and that's where the problem cut. is.
1: They shouldn't get a cut. They get so much money as it is. NCAA is and, – and this is a, a sole reason why I do not watch and do not follow college sports uh, to the max like other people do who think it's the greatest thing in the world, which it really isn't. Hmm. It's disgusting.
0: I, I can't get into college football in general as well because of how – what's the word i'm looking for just just how you know much of a cluster bleep it is yeah i mean it's it's not it's not i do i was going to say it's so corporate which it is but it it's just so run afoul i guess that's the best way i can put it from the top down yeah I mean, you know, the SEC is always going to win the championship because the most money goes there, and everybody watch the SEC. They feed the SEC, do you like meatloaf? You're going to eat the meatloaf. You're going to love the meatloaf. And if you don't like it, too bad, you're still going to eat it. Uh, you know, it's – no there's no level playing field. There's no, no level not. playing field in college football to me in general. Uh, you know, if you're – you know, the whole BCS thing, now the bowl playoff series thing, whoop-de-tinkle. You know – I, I, that's why I came into college football. I'll watch it occasionally. In fact, I will say this: college football on a Saturday is an excellent excuse for me to take a nap. Same here, It, it really is. I'd rather I, I'd watch a an English Premier League soccer game for longer than I would watch a college football game. Man, and I don't I like know soccer. Tottenham. I don't know Tottenham from top mom. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so just, yeah, I, it, yeah.
1: Also, though, I want to I want to make this perfectly clear to everybody listening. I don't like Johnny Manziel.
0: Yeah, but I am sticking he, up
1: for Johnny Manziel in a way, but I'm mostly sticking up for college athletes. Uh, I I don't like Johnny Manziel. I think he's a diva. I think he's an egomaniac. And I think he's an a-hole.
0: I think he's a D-bag. Um, but he has the right to market himself and make money right. on what he's doing. It, it's it's business 101. That's what this is. It's about entrepreneurship, and I, uh, you know, entrepreneuring yourself and – And uh, making money on what you do. He
1: has every right to. He's not doing anything illegal. He's not doing anything to hurt anybody. It's not like no, no he's putting de- in his pocket signing his name on a piece of paper. Listen,
0: it's not like he's dealing drugs. It's not like he's using PEDs as far as we know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he just wants to make a little money. He wants to, you know, reap a little bit of the investment that he's put forth. That's all. That's what any good business person would do.
1: I yeah, I agree. I, I I just don't see a problem with it and I think they really need to let these players Uh, You know what, even if they put a cap limit on it, say, okay, well, you can go out and sign autographs, but you can't make no more than $10,000 a year off of it. But they shouldn't
0: even put a cap limit on it. They really shouldn't. They shouldn't, but I
1: think that's the only way NFL will, uh, excuse me, the NCAA would do it. I I mean, because if Johnny Manziel is going to go out and start signing autographs and making more money... By signing memorabilia then the league is uh that the NCAA is making off of him um for playing. It's you know, of course they're gonna be upset about it because it's the NCAA and to me they're crooks. So Oh,
0: they're the king of crooks, are you kidding me? No, yet every he, year crooks. Yeah, yet every year you watch the ball games, you love the bowl games. And they make money hand over freaking fist. So they make
1: billions upon billions of dollars. It's billions
0: of dollars. But let's
1: stick with football. Let's get away from college sports because I can't stand college sports. Let's get into the NFL. And of course, we heard the NFL saying that they're going to start monitoring low hits on defenseless players. Pittsburgh Steelers safety Ryan Clark came out saying, and I quote: "I'm so disgusted with the NFL right now about these situations." If an offensive player makes enough of a stink, they'll change it. I know Tony Gonzalez was extremely upset about the hit on Dustin Keller. I understand that. I believe, and some of you may have the film, I said if you start penalizing guys and fining guys for hits up top, some of these hits up top are not illegal. End quote. I kind of agree with Ryan Clarky because there is a lot of hits that we see up top that aren't illegal, that kind of look like they're headshots, Jim, but they're really not when you look at the instant replay. Guys have been fined. Teams have lost games because of penalties, but now all of a sudden you can't hit low. So you don't want them hitting above. You don't want them hitting low. Where do you want these players to make tackles?
0: Okay, here's here's how we have remedy this. Okay, now listen to me. I'm not I'm not trying to take your job, Roger Fidel, Even though I did try to call you once because I did get your phone number. Here's the deal. And this is this is gonna revolutionize the game. Forget about the forget about getting rid of the kickoff. This is gonna revolutionize the game. You're gonna get more butts in the seats than ever. Forget the tackling. Let's all play two-hand touch. That's what you do. You play two-hand touch. You got no problem with the hits. Just two-hand touch. Okay, that's it. Stop the play right there. Nobody gets hurt. Everybody's happy. <laughs> that's that's how you do. it. Or you know what? We play flag football. I used to play it as a kid. Try to tackle me, the big fat ass. Going down the sideline, it's tough. It's tough to get the flag because I'll just juke and move it. Listen, okay, seriously.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, Ryan Clark said it the same way. You might as well just put flags on everybody because that's what it's coming down to. And this is what I have said in the past. I mean, if they keep going this way to the point where you can't make a tackle in professional football, Jim, you might as well just close down shop. Cause the team, this, are you going to watch flag football, professional flag football? Mm, no, well, you're not. No, you may catch no. a game or two, but you're not going to go out of your way to follow it on an every-week basis. Now, one. If, it,
0: if, it, if it was like Rock and Jock, maybe we, we, we could talk. i miss that, too. Uh, but then again, MTV doesn't know anything anymore. Uh, no,
1: uh... I think it's pretty cool. You could bring Barry Sanders back, let him run around, because if he ain't going to get hit...
0: Well, exactly... Well, I'm just so conflicted on this because you have to understand when you start playing football, and we're going back, you know, into your into your childhood here. You're taught to to protect yourself and hit a certain way. So this is a ground ground level thing. And now, once you get to the big boys, you can't do as you were told and how you learn the game.
1: Yes, yes,
0: it's 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 very contradictory, and that's the problem. The yeah. NFL, by and large, is one of the most physical sports in all the world. Major injuries happen; it's yeah. just inevitable. And a lot of these things are fluke things. I don't think anybody, with rare exceptions, I don't think anybody goes into a game wanting to seriously hurt somebody else or themselves. It no, so no. I said the
1: same thing about Texan safety uh, DJ Swearinger, when he hit Dustin Keller. I I, I didn't think it was, um, you know, I didn't think he did it on purpose. But, you know what, you can't go up top because there's a potential of, like a rookie, like DJ Schwarzenegger, that the NFL is going to take money out of your pocket. You know what I mean? So he went low, and unfortunately he went a little too low, and it ended Dustin Keller's season, possibly even his career, who knows? You know?
0: Yeah, but I mean, there's so many deviations. there's a lot of pressure on these guys. Yeah, there's so many deviations, and they change rules oh so often. Yeah. I mean... You can't lead with the crown. You can't hit, you know, crown to crown, head to head. Oh, but you don't want to hit in the stomach. You don't want to hit in the jersey numbers. You might break a rib. Oh, but you don't want to go too low. You might clip a knee. It's it, Except well, you
1: know
0: Except the sport for what it is. It's a violent sport. Yeah. The laws of inertia, the laws of gravity, the laws of physics inevitably say somebody's going to get seriously injured at some point, and it happens every season. It's just a shame. It's a shame, but you know what? Also, that's the risk you take when you go into that sport. It's a full-time black sport. Mm -hmm. I mean,
1: I'm sorry if, you know, you sit there and a team offers you a contract after they draft and say, okay, we're going to give you $4 million to play professional football. You know right away there is a potential chance that you're going to have a career-ending injury. You're going to get severely hurt or possibly even get killed. But these are the terms of that agreement, and you accept that. So now, now you're going to accept that, but then the league is going to turn around and tell you, well, guess what? I don't want you hitting here. I don't want you hitting there, even though this is how you played football your entire life. Now it's time to relearn it and learn a new way to play football.
0: Well, it's funny you mention that, though, because I know you want to segue into a story about a uh, former Cincinnati Angle who – you know he agreed to those contracts for not nearly as much. Yeah, and he's in a bad way right now. Go ahead and tell us about it.
1: And uh, that's linebacker Reggie Williams, who after 24 surgeries to his uh, right knee, uh, it's it's just completely completely mangled this guy's knee. It's it's inevitable that he's going to have to have his right leg um, amputated. And this is Reggie Williams. I mean, this was a very good linebacker. We all know who Reggie Williams is. Played a very long and good NFL career. And honestly, his right knee looks like the top of a muffin that burnt and just split open. And it's hope it's you're
0: enjoying your lunch, folks. Oh, yeah.
1: It's it's a real shame. And then reading into it because you know we we've spoken about it in the past on uh, you know many different shows and, and and our blogs and our websites and stuff. The NFL doesn't take care of their own, and I found uh, a, an article earlier that said back in. I believe this was 2009, so this has been going on for so long with Reggie Williams. I mean, 24 knee surgeries because of the game that he loved to play. He had, in 2009, over $500,000 in accumulated medical bills. At this time, he was the vice president at Disney. He he was
0: making money, and he was being insured. He was covered. Yeah, he was insured.
1: He was covered. He was making very, very good money. But, unfortunately, because of this, he had to leave Disney to concentrate on rehabilitation and all these other surgeries to save his leg. Disney's insurance was able to cover a good portion of it, but it just kept mounting up the bills, and he went to the NFLPA and the NFL Management Council and put in an application for NFL disability benefits, which, I'm sorry, he was deserving of, um, and they denied him. He did, though, however, back then in 2008, get uh, he applied for a medical expense reimbursement through the NFL, all those hundreds of thousands of dollars. They awarded him $5,000 that he never received. It's disgusting. This, is,
0: this is the biggest crime, one of the biggest crimes the NFL, you know, lets happen. These are the people who shaped the game, helped shape the game to what it is today. Without the, the Reggie Williamses of this world and the other players from the bygone generations, the game would not be where it is today. The NFL makes billions, more like trillions of dollars every year on merchandising, on media rights, on just name recognition alone. And they can only afford to give this guy five thousand dollars. Disgusting. It it does not make sense. It's you know, I'm sure I'm sure Roger Goodell's probably in an office somewhere saying, Well, you know, uh, there's this, you know, modern advances are just great, but you know what? You 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 don't have that leg, you can't use it. Why don't you just use a peg leg? It worked good for pirates. It's very mm-hmm. cost prohibitive. You'll enjoy it. Again, I'm being a bit facetious here. Wouldn't doubt it. Honestly, I
1: wouldn't doubt it. If that's but,
0: <laughs> but and it's not like, uh, and we were talking about the money that you make in this day and age. Players in this day and age are smarter. They actually take courses, business level courses. Uh, while while in the NFL to understand the concept of managing your money so you can allocate for savings down the road.
1: Yeah.
0: This is a guy who when he started out was probably making no more than 100,000 a year, probably less than that. Oh yeah. And uh by the end of his career in the late 80s, could have been making maybe a million dollars, probably mid six figures at that. Uh because of, you know, what the economy was and the lack of big TV rights that there are in place today. Yeah,
1: and what, and what the league's called for in terms of salary back then?
0: Well, exactly.
1: Yeah. It's
0: it's just a sad state of affairs, and we're going to see these stories every so often. They should be they, these are the stories that should be front page stories when it comes to talk about football, in my estimation, because these people who helped make the game, it, they laid the foundation for future generations, and it's a damn shame. It's a goddamn shame that Reggie Williams is in the position he's in you know he played the game for what was it 15 16 years something yeah. like that yeah
1: so a long career for a linebacker
0: oh absolutely it's a, yeah. you know you're you're lucky in this day and age I mean you look at Brian Urlacher Hey, he didn't last that long he <clears throat> lasted maybe 10 11 yeah. and it's you Some, know yeah it, it's uh, you know it's not like it's not like when williams was playing unlike the players today who are making hundreds of millions of dollars over x number of years it's not like williams had the money from 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 his playing days to to do go through with all the surgeries he didn't no. the fact of the matter is he didn't and the fact that he had a high paying executive job with Walt Disney okay for goodness sakes he, he you know he had plenty of money but oh, yeah but,
1: but unfortunately regard, he, he all his savings are probably diminished because of the surgeries now
0: it is a shame and it, you know
1: he he, he told retiredplayers.org uh, dot org that uh, he played his whole career on battered knees. Um, with the blessing of the team medical staff and a promise of lifetime medical care for his football-related injuries from the NFL. Well, Guess
0: gentlemen, what? gentlemen's agreements don't mean anything unless they're in ink. Sorry. Yeah,
1: unfortunately, man, it's uh, yeah. But you know what? Back then, people, you know, people didn't do that. You know, it's uh, you know, if they're uh, you know agreeing to do stuff for you, and you're just a kid coming out of uh, a couple of years of college, and you're signing a deal for a hundred thousand dollars to play, you know, professional football.
0: You jump on it.
1: I mean, you're a kid. You're a 19, 20, 21-year-old kid when you're doing this. So it's a shame. It really is.
0: And and part of it also is, you know, things are better diagnosed here in 2013 than they were in 1978. You have, I mean, we have medical staffs on site, even on the sidelines now today to treat people. Uh, Back when Williams was playing, the simple answer was, okay, shoot me up, I'll be good for next week. Yeah. You can't do that in this day and age. Well, you can't with good conscience do that in this age, day and age. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's just a sad state of affairs, and you're going to read and hear about these stories more often. And you stop and think, the money you pay for tickets, the money you pay for merchandising for your favorite team, where does that money go? Pretty much right into Goodell's pocket. Goes in the uh, pocket like, of the
1: league, the owners, and nobody else.
0: Exactly, the owners are the ones who are making the gajillions of dollars, while the players are making millions, and uh, it's just so convoluted. That's it's the side of sports that's dark. It's the side of sports that's, that's depressing, but it's it's reality.
1: Yeah, it's it's you know it's a damn shame reading this story and uh, coming across it and seeing the that's pictures kind of-, of Reggie Williams' knee and seeing what he. I mean, his right leg because of all the surgeries and everything going on is three inches shorter than his left leg. So even if he could get stand up to walk, he can't, mm-hmm. you know, his, uh, you know, he has
0: a permanent limp, obviously. Oh, he, he's got yeah. a permanent limp.
1: He hasn't had a meal in his house for two years because he can't stand up to cook. Mm-hmm. Uh, also mm-hmm. what I was reading is, uh, his house during the summer is between 85 and 90 degrees because he can't use air conditioning because the knee replacements in his knee feel worse. Oh God. I, I mean, so, you know, this guy is just, he's suffering and he's <laughs> suffering because of what 14 NFL seasons, 200 plus games did to his knee.
0: Well, think about this. I know people. My mother, for goodness' sakes, has, has had one knee surgery. Think about anybody who's ever had knee surgery. You know what kind of a process it is. It is long. It is arduous. It is tedious to get back to a point where you can walk and function.
1: Yeah.
0: Multiply that twenty four times over.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, uh, it's it's. But again, these are the tales of, of football, and it, it you know it goes with the territory. Sadly, to some degree. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, it's it's depressing.
1: Let us know what you think. Give us a call in at 347-237-5373. Uh, be
0: dialing people.
1: You know, pick up the phone, dial. We answer. It's we fun. do
0: answer, and if you promise to tell a friend, we might even throw in the dialomatic food slicer, absolutely free. <laughs>
1: For nineteen ninety
0: nine. Yes, indeed. If you only seven. get one. You get two. Oh, be dialing then.
1: Let's talk about this, though, a little bit and staying with the uh, NFL trend here. Uh, Denver Broncos fans putting out a petition to uh, Roger Goodell in the NFL to remove a giant Joe Flacco sign at Mile High Stadium. It's an advertisement because the opening game for the Super Bowl champions of last season, uh, Baltimore Ravens, will be playing the Denver Broncos, but they have a sign of Joe Flacco that is probably half the size of the stadium.
0: Yeah. It goes up the, the full height of the stadium in front of uh, the uh, the grand entrance of whatever they're calling Sports Authority Field at Mile High Stadium, whatever. I hate yeah. corporations.
1: I mean, I kind of don't blame the fans. Roger Goodell and the NFL aren't going to do anything about it. But let me ask you this, Jim. You go to an Eagles game. You're an Eagles fan. And you see a <laughs> giant picture of Tony Romo. <laughs>
0: well, well, first the of stadium. all, yeah.
1: how are you going to feel about it?
0: Well, first of all, I wouldn't be seeing this picture because it would be uh, either torn down or burned down by that point. <laughs> I mean, come on, this is this is South Philly. That's how we roll up in this mug. But uh, I'd be a little peeved, but again, you look at this big picture. It's promotion, and yeah. guess what? We're talking about it.
1: Yeah. So
0: the NFL wins yet again.
1: Well, let me ask you this. Are you going to go out of your way? To send a letter to Roger Goodell saying I want this crap taken down.
0: No, and most people won't. No, most exactly. people won't. They'll they'll make their little protest. They'll get their fifteen seconds of fame, and what have you. In fact, there was a poster in a uh, nearby mall. Uh, I, I don't remember who it was Deadspin or another uh, site that uh, posted this. And what they did is they covered up the covered it up with lots of sky, uh, masking tape saying in our house mm-hmm. of, uh, of you know. But but one of the things I have to think about when it comes this, I wonder how far in advance these banners were made. And the reason I ask this is, simple. if you remember, when the schedules came out, the original plan was for this game to be played in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, we kind of throw it in reverse. If you're a Ravens fan, would you be upset if a Manning sign hung from the entrance of your stadium? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But this stuff, I wonder how long ago this was printed in advance and the plans for this. I mean, what it comes down to is this: this is the opening day of the season. It's the big uh, prime time NBC game, so they're going to do everything they can. They'll have a concert probably. Taylor Swift will come out, and Brett will try to Brett will try to get a first flight out to Denver. Skeletor. From... Well, you you know it's funny Skeletor under mile high conditions. It's still Skeletor. You you, you know, I just thought about that. (laughs)
1: Well, I'm on change.org right now. I'm looking at the petition. They have 1,747 signatures so far. You need another 753 needed to be able to have it sent off to the NFL. Okay. Reading some of these comments from people is hilarious. Uh, Uh,
0: uh, Drop a few on me here.
1: John Parton from Parker, Colorado says, We, the taxpayers of Denver, own the majority of this building. Do not hang your curtains in my house. Devin from Denver, Colorado says, this is not a neutral site game. This is a Broncos game, and it should be treated like one. Isaac from Denver says, because my taxes paid for that stadium, and I don't want to see any opposing team signs on it. And Jeff from Arvada, Colorado, this is a good one, though. It's a long one. Going to get a little, uh, you know, raunchy here. He says, this is Broncos country, not Flacco country. It's a disgrace to all Broncos fans, City, and our beloved Broncos. After how lucky the Ravens got last year in the playoffs to beat us in the first round, only to win the Super Bowl when it should have been us, this is a bit slap in the face to every Broncos fan. Someone should be fired for this, and it was. And if it was my decision, I would choose Mr. Goodell. Roger Goodell is a scumbag for even allowing such a slap in the face to the Denver fans. I'm just disgusted.
0: All the while, I can see Roger Goodell in his office reading a letter. leaning back in the chair, kicking his feet up on the desk and laughing all the way to the bank. Because again, he gets what he wants out of this promotion and publicity for this game.
1: I don't think it would have been as bad if they put up a giant Denver Broncos logo versus Baltimore Ravens logo.
0: Oh, that would have been fine. That would have to been Go I,
1: with individual players. Um you know, especially since Baltimore did defeat Denver in the first round of the playoffs, there's still a little heat there between the fan bases and the
0: two sure. teams. Um,
1: yeah, you know, I, I I don't want to say it's completely poor taste. It is advertising. It is their league. It is the game. It is a big uh, primetime game. So, of course, they want to get as many shots of a Broncos player and a, and, a Bron- and, a, and a Ravens player on top of the stadium. But if it was my stadium, if it was – MetLife Stadium, and I'm going to a Jets game, and there's a big, giant picture of Tom Brady on the stand. I'm
0: going be You're little... going to be a little peeped.
1: Oh, yeah, there's no yeah. doubt about
0: it. But yeah,
1: it's going to be done after the game. I'm not going to go out of my way to... Uh,
0: it's not going to be the end of the world. And, by the way, you mentioned the petition. How often is it, and I, I mean no disrespect to the people who signed for this petition, but how often is it that you see a petition like this really work? Never. Thank you very much.
1: In, in, in sports... Never. And we had that discussion, um, you know, months back with the uh, guy who was uh, doing that whole Marlins thing, trying to get Jeffrey Loria out of power there in and, Miami. And listen,
0: I'm down with that. I'm down with, I'm down down with, with the movement. I, it's cool that
1: people take an initiative, but here's the problem. It's a hot story for a couple of days The people running it lose interest, which means the fans trying to get behind them lose interest, and then it just disappears.
0: And you're talking about the, the folks from Rage Against the Marlins. I'll mention them by name. And I, I applaud their movement because I'm all about what they're for.
1: Same but ultimately,
0: for <laughs> ultimately, they become the silent minority in the end.
1: And it goes real quick. We've seen it with the NHL lockout. Oh, I'm going to you know not watch NHL hockey. And yet, they made even more money this lockout season. Yes, and exactly. Is, you're going you're gonna to miss the game. By boycotting it, and you're going to come back, and it happens all the time. I mean, yeah. for the people who boycotted baseball from all their lockouts, came by, still watched the steroid era. And you're they're
0: watching the games. Watching it. It's, it's not going to happen anywhere else. So exactly. So.
1: All right, uh, John, uh, our good friend John Leary from New England Sports Two Four Seven Radio says, "I would welcome a Mark Sanchez picture at Gillette Stadium, which is bull." <laughs> but I, I, they'd probably laugh at it. So.
0: Well, no, well, he could use it as target practice.
1: Who, Tom Brady?
0: Yeah, yeah use, the, use the poster of Tom Brady as target practice. You know, get get a slingshot, fling some water balloons or something at it, some paint balloons or something. Yeah, throw something you, you, the- you could you think- can hit him in the nuts all day long. It'd be fun. Yeah, why not? I mean, God knows he's not doing anything with them. so, you know. Yeah. It Just is saying.
1: What it is. Uh, a little over eight minutes. Lost in today's show and we gotta mention this US Open uh out of nowhere, American teenager Victoria Duval uh stunned former two thousand eleven US Open champion Sam Stoser in uh yesterday's uh, first round of the tournament, winning five seven, six four, six four. This was a good upset.
0: Yeah, I mean nobody saw this coming. I mean, any time you and this is Duval's second time in a grand slam match, no less. So this is really impressive. And, you know, 17 years of age, this could be something that propels her, not necessarily in this tournament, but in future tournaments. I mean, tennis is a sport, unlike any others, where your shelf life is limited. Uh, And we talked about this referring, I think on Monday, referring to tennis players who've retired. And, uh, you know, James Flegg, you mentioned he's in his early 30s. Once you get to about 32, 33, your shelf life is as good as done unless you're, really, like a Pete Sampras or an Andre Agassi. Uh, this is a good thing. I mean, wh- American women are just kicking butt when it comes to tennis. I'd, I'd love to see a young American male make something happen. Because let's face the men's side of the game, it's all Federer. It's all Nadal. It's all Djokovic. That's
1: yeah. it. Yeah. No doubt about it.
0: Am I going to have to Djokovic?
1: But let me ask you this, though.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I love upsets in sports. I I, I think it's phenomenal, but, you know, it's nice when you see an upset in the NBA. It's nice when you see an upset on the field in the NFL. But there's nothing like an individual upset in tennis and in golf. I I don't know. It's just, like, just that individual. Like somebody, you know, like this girl, at at her age, 17 years old, defeating a former 2011 U.S. Open champion.
0: And this is somebody who's in the top 20, okay? It's it's amazing. She ranked 296th to Duval. Okay, so this is... This is like the equivalent of somebody who just woke up and, and not that she is because I know she's a pro and she's she's done her thing for God knows how long going back to her youth her her earlier youth I should say it, it's it's a, it's a refreshing story. It's nice to see some some new faces. I I think that that's what keeps and helps grow the game. Yeah. No,
1: absolutely. It's 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 really good to see uh, looking at some of the games today, really not that many notables playing today. Um a lot of to be decided matches uh for today too. Uh I know uh, Serena Williams was supposed to play, I believe, today. Uh so, you know, US Open looks like it's going good so far and uh you know, we'll keep everybody it's, it's, updated.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll keep you uh, updated as we go. I enjoy it. It's it's, it's good television when uh, when things get competitive. It's very good television. And, and again, it's it's like with me with golf. Do I watch the lead up to the FedEx Cup? Hell no. I, you know, you have to be a golf enthusiast, just like you know, you, you you know, you have to be a baseball enthusiast to watch every game of the regular season for your team or or what have you. But when it gets time for the majors in golf and the majors in tennis, yeah, I'm going to watch because it's it's competitive, it's interesting. There's a lot more on the line.
1: Yeah. Oh no, no, no doubt about it. No doubt uh, about it. It is fun, you know. And it, you know what? And I, I'm not a college basketball fan, but. But again, it gets to uh, championship time, I you know I do watch it. You know,
0: not you do your brackets.
1: Yeah, I eh, I I did them last year. I'm probably not a big bracket guy, but
0: oh, i I do okay.
1: keep up with it. I, I don't watch it every day, but I do like to see who wins, and I do like to see the upsets because it's always fun when you got an upset. So
0: yeah, like Florida Gulf Coast this past year, that was insane. Or you know, dunk you as they were called. W. Dunk you. Dunk you. Yes.
1: Uh, let me bring this up real quick. We got uh, a little over four minutes, and it's NHL because we haven't really talked about NHL.
0: Okay, uh, Don Cherry here talks some hockey. Uh, you know, you have your uh,
1: your pink tie on with your uh, red jacket. I Jack. my
0: pink tie with my flower suit. Uh, you know, it's beautiful. All right, Timo Solani.
1: Oh, okay. Gotta talk about this because Timo Solani is forty-three years old, still playing and still going strong in the NFL. He, he has, has met NHL. with Ducks. What
0: was that? You said the NFL? Wow. Oh, NHL. Excuse me. Wow. I mean, if he's so, in the NFL, I'll tell you. they, they
1: Okay. We've got to start breaking it down a little bit into hockey mode as well. But 43 years old, still playing for the Anaheim Ducks. He is a free agent. He has met with the Ducks, and he is close to a final decision. Jim, you know, usually, well, you know, older players, you know, they pass their prime. But here's a guy that's been in the league since 1992, 1993, just long. I mean, he's had a long, super long NHL career. Still in 46 games last season, 24 points, 12 goals, 12 assists. This is a guy that can still play. Would you like to see Timo Solani come back for another season? Sure. Why uh, not?
0: I, I, exactly. If you still have the skill set and you still have the productability he has. Now, granted, it, one thing I have a little uh, conundrum with is Solani saying uh, to the Orange County Register he would want to roll on one of the Ducks' top two lines. And 12 points, or rather 12 goals, 24 points total, that's not top two line material. It's good for the third line. Yeah. Maybe maybe the fourth line, but he's not a top two line guy. Either. Well, you know, what
1: he said is that he doesn't know if he's ready to just be a 10 to 12 minute player yet. And he says he just needs to make sure about that. But he also said that if I play well, I'd like to get what I deserve. and. As a twenty year veteran, a guy that's you know, doesn't get in trouble, you know, teammates love him, teams love him. A lot of teams would crave to have a team with Solani over the last ten years. Sure. Why not? I mean if he can, you know, turn around and uh put up the same stats that he did the year before the lockout with in eighty two games, twenty six goals, forty assists for sixty six points, why not?
0: That implies off the ice as a mentor. Yeah. That's something a young team can always go for.
1: Big big mentor, people look up to him. I mean 20 years in the NHL and he's still going man. that's just that's phenomenal.
0: God bless him. God bless him. I hope the hell I hope he stays healthy and I hope he does come back cuz you know he he is one of the one of the players who played the game the right way. Yeah. Always has. I mean 10-time NHL All-Star, 11th right now on the all-time goal-scoring list, second among active players behind Yaramir Yager, who there's another name. I'm surprised he's still playing a little bit. Uh, but, uh, yeah.
1: Supposedly last season with the New Jersey Devils.
0: Yeah, that's a whole other conundrum with the Devils, a team that almost had to move again recently yeah. with the whole uh, financial situation before the guy who currently owns the 76 years bought him in the yeah, last couple got get into that
1: eventually because –
0: that that's 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 got to be fun. He you know come come spring season, oh the Sixers aren't doing well. But hey, everybody uh, in Philly, you want to go join a winner? Go see my Devils. Uh, no.
1: Yeah yeah, Devils won't be winners. <laughs>
0: yeah, no they won't. But then again,
1: Team Mussolini, two years older, Hager, he still can still be playing and going. So amazing stuff. Well, it is. That's it for today's show, Jim. It's been a lot of fun.
0: Very informative. I hope I hope our listeners got something out of this. I'd like to think they did.
1: Absolutely. I I I think so. I think that I got
0: something out of this. What was that? Nothing. No. I, I did I did I, the in, the indulging talk. See the, <laughs> the good the banter was, was fine, so banter
1: is always fun. Uh yes. we'll be here Friday. We will be. Won't be.
0: Oh, we won't be here Friday, I'm sorry.
1: We won't be. We won't be okay. Friday. Um,
0: I didn't get the memo, okay.
1: You did. I I did tell you that. Oh, well, Check, check
0: your messages. I will check my... See. <laughs> okay, fine. Starting this
1: week, we're going to roll it out. We're going to have some guests starting to join us from NBA, from the NFL, from the NHL, MLB, tennis, boxing, professional wrestling. Because guess what? We are going to get into some professional wrestling while we're here. Because Jim and I, we love pro wrestling. So. Right,
0: and if we do have any female guests, I'll make sure I get the restraining order ready for you.
1: There if, you go, man.
0: Because, you know, I know... Uh, never mind. We won't go there. We don't have time. Be careful. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see you next week then, I guess.
1: It'll be fun. And uh, we'll definitely tell everybody via our Facebooks, our Twitters, and all the 247 sites, time and date we will be back. So, for Jim Williams, I'm Jonathan Raggis. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all very soon.
0: So long, everybody.